What's up, everyone? Welcome to Unplayable. Connor here, joined by Cooper and Joe to give you some easy listening about the world of golf this week. Dave can't join us uh, this week. I think he's too pissed off that Justin Rose has joined that tomorrow golf league, uh, that he's buried his hand in the, in, in the sand somewhere. Um, Tiger Woods is back in the game. He's uh, playing Riviera this week, which will be his first start since last year's Open at St. Andrews. Uh, the world is going crazy about this. He'll tee it up with Rory and Justin Thomas for the first two rounds, which means everything else will stop and the focus switches to him. Um, just to start off, though, we got a better sense of a full field elevated event on the PGA Tour last week with a stacked field in a, a drunken Phoenix crowd last weekend. Um, and then we've obviously got another elevated event coming up this week with the event in Riviera. Um, temptation is to start with Tiger, but we'll start with Phoenix. Uh, Cooper, give us your thoughts on the week. Good, bad, indifferent. What, what did you reckon? Uh, unbelievable. Um, like as far as the PGA Tour being happy with their first elevated event, I don't think they could have wished for any more. Um, the 600,000 odd people, um lacing the lacing the course uh the stacked leaderboards running into the weekend um a, a real kind of i don't know if you want to call him a good guy but definitely like and obviously number one in the world again scotty scheffler taking the crown it really was the perfect kind of kickoff for this um elevated event series or not series just kind of elevated event um um yeah, new schedule, I guess, for the for the PJ Tour. Um, it was, I guess, it, it did come down to it. I don't know um, how I felt about Scotty getting relief on 16. Um, seemed to be a bit, if it was Patrick Reed, I would have been going fucking mad. Um, just the, he seemed to be dropping the ball a bit too far back from where the actual mark was and then, saying I'm not able to get relief or I'm not getting relief from the walls. So once you drop it twice, obviously you get a place in the third time. And that ended up being a massive advantage in terms of getting up and down and Ram and um, Ram and Taylor not. So yeah, it was, uh, I don't want to spoil it like, but in terms of Scotty Scheffler, when you think of this world number one, like he came onto the scene here last year, pretty much springboarded one of the best seasons you can possibly imagine to have with uh, four wins and a major. Um, and yeah, he's, he's, he started the year as he did last year. So hopefully he can uh, uh, kick on and be in the, in the mix for the, for the rest of the year in the majors like he was last year. Um, there was a, an interest in that as well. I think of the, of the last, I think it was the last two years in events where, um the fields have been the highest in terms of actual um seedings so like the best players in the world showing up uh, of 13 events scotty sheffer won five of them so he's really turned into a guy who when there's a really good field he always comes out on top um obviously ram uh 
um, gave it a good show as well. Uh, a few kind of wayward shots found the water there, really ruined any chance he had. But um, Rory was a bit disappointing. Um, but Scheffler, in terms of standing up when the heat's on, he's for a 26 year old, it's it's pretty insane to be th- t- thinking about him like that in terms of a clutch player. Um, but yeah, no, amazing event. Um, uh, if if every elevated event is as good as this, and I know we'll talk about Riviera now later on, but like we're lucky enough to have 96 of the top 100 players in the world playing Riviera as well. So like, if you've any um, doubts on where the best place to play golf in the world is, it's these elevated events on the PGA Tour. Yeah, Joe, I was going to say like, looking at how how strong the field was coming into it, but then, okay, Nick Taylor, the outlier in that he wasn't you know ranked, he was outside top 200 in the world. But apart from that, you know, you had Scheffler winning. You had Ram up there, just Thomas, Speed, Shoffley. I mean, elevated events. The whole, the well, the real winners are definitely us, the fan. Yeah, and obviously the players uh, getting that twenty million purse obviously doesn't hurt them either. But de- no, I think I think definitely for us, it's it's a brilliant uh, intro to. Um, or initiative, I suppose, to the to the professional golf world. You know, I think definitely the four majors and maybe the players felt like the only tournaments where you where you had all the best guys. But this, the fact that there's what thirteen of these things and all the top players can only miss one of them. Like we're we're in for we're in for a great season, uh, and they're they're spread out nicely over the over the year as well. So um, no, I thought it was very good. Um, yeah, as Cooper said, Scheffler doing it again in a big event. It's it's insane his uh, his consistency and his his ruthlessness when he gets into position as well. He's um, he he doesn't hold back. Like he he definitely didn't have his best stuff um, over over the weekend. Like he hit five fairways on Saturday and Sunday, uh, but he still managed uh, to go bogey free on on Sunday anyway. And he made he only made two bogeys over the four rounds. Which was insane. Really? Yeah. When you look at like, you know, look, he's not he doesn't have his best stuff at the moment. Like Shane was nine over for the for the first two rounds. Like Scott Scotty made two bogeys and four in seventy two holes. So um his ability to to scramble and he clearly his driving wasn't great, but his iron play, I think he was number one uh, in stroke strokes gained approach um for the week, which is um which is kind of in keeping. I think the last five winners haven't been outside the top four in strokes gained approach in that course. So definitely one to look at next year. Um, but yeah, he he really he rode like he did ride his luck as well as Cooper said on sixteen when he when he dropped into that position of of his second drop. I think it was sitting very precariously. He, he didn't stand. Shy. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the first one was as well, wasn't it? Yeah, so he. Mm-hmm. He played his cards well there, but I, I obviously he was entitled to it. The real official was right there, so now he did have to go and roll a obviously the fifteen footer in for par. So it wasn't like he he could easily stitch it off the chip, but um, yeah, that was one thing. And then that par five fifteenth the hole before he hit that like cut drive that obviously had left to right spin on it and somehow bounced out of the rough to the left, bounced from the right rough into the kind of like semi cut I think it was, but it allowed him to go for that par five and two. Obviously, blast like he had a great four and into the, the green side bunker, but that's a lot easier than having to lay up. And um, so, 
Road is luck, but I think, you know, took advantage of it, um, like not all players would. Um, so, yeah, and we all know that, you know, given last year, when this guy goes in a run, you know, he doesn't, uh, you know, he, he could pick off another couple of tournaments um, in the next few months. And obviously it's, it's, it's coming into the, to the, to the right time of the year to do it. Um, so an interesting stat about Nick Taylor as well. He made, I think, 2.1, 2.2 million um, for coming second place, which is, I think, more than any season he's made in uh, cumulatively. Like, he's never made more than that in the whole season. I think it's 500k more than he's made in the last two seasons combined. Um, I think I saw that one too. So um, what a week for him. I mean, that's another that's another thing from the elevated events it obviously means like you know the big the, the it brings the big names together but it gives like these kind of guys a chance like he made you know that money he jumped from 223rd in the world to 72nd which you know gets him into all sorts of tournaments and gives him all these playing rights um and obviously gives him exposure like you know there was a lot of eyes in the phoenix open last week so you know he's gonna have sponsorship opportunities i'm sure you know, coming out of it, he's he's now become a name that like a lot of people will will see in in you know in a major or something and recognize him. So that's that's a that's a positive, I think, of the the elevated events. We'll we'll get the 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 kind of the lesser known players uh, given an opportunity. So it was uh, yeah, it was good. I think Century wasn't really it was going to be a thirty man field, but the Phoenix Open felt like um, you know the proper first introduction, and I think it's great. It's brilliant. That also shows the depth. In the BJ Tour, like obviously you have the the lads that are up there every week um, contesting, and we it was absolutely. I remember going into uh, into the weekend, and it was a properly stacked tournament. Like really looking forward to it. But like any one of these guys, uh, I think you got Joe two hundred twenty or somewhere like that in the world. Taylor before the week started. Like if any one of them turns it on, even if it is just for one week, or even if it's the start of maybe a bit of a run, like you go far down the list as you want. And these lads are literally well able to pull four rounds together and win a purse of like insane money and life changing money for them. So, but did you oh, see God. they're 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 thinking of reducing the fields to like 70, 70 man fields and no cuts? Like uh, that's a massive massive mm. mistake. Like that's a live decision. Exactly the, yeah, yeah, the Nick Taylor situation can't happen if yeah. that plays out. Yeah, yeah. I think like if Nick Taylor's going up against Charlie Hoffman in the final round, it's a disaster. But if you know Nick Taylor's going against Ram and Scotty and JT and stuff, then it's it's a great tournament. Then it's like a major. You always get like a random player appearing in the in the major if majors from time yeah, to time. Yeah, which but, is cool. Like I I like that once once it's uh, the field has got or top of leaderboard has plenty of other big names that you you actually know. It's kind of nice to see uh, the. The journeyman pop up every now and then and see if he can if he can hang with them. Um, but I mean, seventy man feels no cuts. It seems like they're chasing. Live if they, if they like, fucking do that. Like I, I, I'd like to think Monaghan has a bit more cop on than that. Like because Liv are already kind of claiming um, credit for these elevated events, saying we're the kind of catalyst that instigated. This Which they are versus, yeah, they probably did. Even though the PGA Tour will say they didn't, but like, just leave it at that. Like, stop throwing money at the problem and stop trying to feed the top seventy. Yeah. 
with all the um the, the additional prize money like it comes back to the argument that like go down to grassroots or not grassroots but like go down to q school and they're raising the cost of going into q school while mm-hmm. the lads up here are making disgraceful amounts of money now let's segregate it even more and just have it for the top 70 in the world like some of the decisions are 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 baffling so it's, hopefully it's it was just an idea that was thrown out and it's it's scrapped fairly quickly did um did you see that so the the prize money for these elevated events has obviously increased substantially and is way bigger than say the prize money of john deere classic but apparently that money is not coming from the sponsors it's coming from the pga tour itself so you'd be fuming if you were like john deere and you were sponsored the event so like waste management for example get extra exposure better fields all that sort of stuff but they don't have to foot the bill so i'd say they're i don't know how they're gonna handle that with other sponsors like i mean they could lose other sponsors uh for the lower events yeah i think i think they're not set though right like as in the pj tour can turn around because that was the talk like i know we were talking about last week with the um the at&t and pebble like there there's talk of them rotating uh some of the events now that's that's probably a bad idea because i think like you know the the phoenix open has got they've got serious attention over the last couple of years and i think you know it would be a mistake to, to pull that back i think that's probably cemented its place but Maybe some of the other, maybe like the, I know the RBC Heritage uh, in Harbortown is is one later in the year. Maybe maybe that'll be um, subbed with a with a with another one next year. But yeah, the sponsors must feel very hard done by if they're given the exact same amount of uh, uh, cash for each event. Mm. Um, it'll be yeah, it'll be interesting to it'll be interesting to see what what way they go with it. Um, I'd say they would get an email though saying unlucky lads you're not an elevated event I'd say it's a proper discussion and they are getting some sort of a not a not a spiv off it but like just I think if 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 you were to talk to the sponsors in terms of what it costs to um, sponsor the RBC Heritage and the waste management I'd say they're very different numbers Um, but yeah it's hopefully a discussion and they're not going to ruin any ties they have with sponsors that have names going back decades mm. um what cooper what were your thoughts on the whole fan experience like 16th i mean my thoughts are pros and cons but g- give me yours yeah new few people over there looked uh look fairly loose um yeah it's just like obviously like unless you have a a, a vip table or a ticket or something you are up at 4 a.m., 3 a.m., you're in line for 5 a.m. and the gates open at 6 or 6.30. You're fucking running like a stampede to try and get a seat um, around or in the stadium. It's uh, Then that just leads to these hilarious, like hilarious probably isn't the right word, but like these videos of Americans who are since 6 o'clock in the morning. And that just doesn't work. (laughs) It's just like um, like three beers in, and you've lads, fucking zombies walking around the walking around the course. To be fair to them, I doubt majority of the crowd there. I'd say some of them are golfers, like, but they wouldn't really give a shit about going out to watch the game. So I'd say they didn't venture much further than the the confines of the sixteenth. But yeah, like I I like it. I think it's I think it's very cool um, to have that kind of a 
an atmosphere at a golf course. Uh, some of the players, I'd say, hate it. But, like, you see the guys like Tom Kim revving the crowd up during a regular play. Um, uh, Ricky, with his infamous uh, name, uh, around the 16th, rocking in birdies. Um, and then absolutely playing up to the crowd. I think it depends on the player, from the player's perspective, how they kind of deal with that and how they feel about it. But from a fan's point of view, like, I'd say more people genuinely know about the waste management now than the players in terms of yeah. like name. And like the players is, as we know, the fifth major, or as we'd like to call it. And if you were to talk to the average, maybe someone who plays a few times a year or kind of casually watches the majors, they're definitely more familiar with the waste management than the players. So like that, that's a good thing, I guess. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting. It's to it open Netflix series as well, so it'll be, it'll be. I think it's, I think it's good, but yeah, it's maybe limit Americans to three points each or something. Yeah, agree. It was, it was like the the Black Friday uh, videos, wasn't it? Like when they when they open up the stores at nine a.m. or whatever, the people running, it was gas. Like there were some people running, huh? Drones flying over and it was like a scene from The Last of Us. Fucking heard of zombies. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. Uh, some people I didn't. I I think were uh, were were fooled in the wrong direction because there was people going left and right and like in all sorts of directions. So, um, don't know what they were. Don't know what they were told. But yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, I think it's good from from time to time, and um, maybe maybe once a season for for something like that. But. Uh, it definitely got attention. Um, did you see the Did you see the ruling Xander got as well on the? I think it was the Saturday. Um, he was standing in the in a in a in a set of trees. Basically, his ball off the tee found itself in like the base of a tree. Completely unplayable shot. And uh, there was a very like I say he was clutching at straws a bit, claiming there was an animal scraping uh, on his stance. I mean, he was never going to take a stance because he was never going to take a shot. He was, never, he was got, always going to be dropping the shot. Um, but the first rules official said, no, he can't take a drop from that. And so he called in a second one. And uh, he said, he he kind of, he, he accepted that maybe, maybe he had a case. So uh, I think when it's a tie between two rules officials, uh, it goes to the player. Um, it goes to their choice to some sort of rule. Um, with that, but anyway, he was able to drop um, and had a full shot, knocked it onto fifteen foot. Uh, you know, two put birdies, par five. So um, it was one of those that if you know if they were saying like Patrick Reed had of um, claimed it, it would have been it would have been a bit more attention. I think he was definitely clutching at straws with it. He was definitely stretching it. It wasn't it wasn't quite like Bryson a couple of years ago where. He was under a few branches, and he saw an ant and claimed there was a there was an ant hill uh, under his ball, but um, it was it wasn't uh, it wasn't great yeah, to be honest. I, it wasn't great it, up to Xander. I'd say it happens a lot. Like obviously, Reed has a reputation, but these guys are pros that every shot um, means a hell of a lot of dollars, and I'm sure they are looking at every situation, thinking about how you can use the rules in your favor. Um, and then yeah, you're coming into a debate there whether that's ethical. This though, sorry, you just don't want to take the piss though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I mean, he's, I don't, he's not the only player that would have tried it, definitely. Mm-hmm. Like, there definitely would have been others, but I think if you were going down the stretch with him on a Sunday and you saw him do it, yeah, it would be a bit, it'd be a bit sickening. Also, when you when you play that against, say, a, a Barton Shield match or something and someone goes for a bit of a, oh, this, uh, it went down this rabbit hole, it did it, fuck. It's like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I'd say everyone, everyone does it at every level, but obviously in an elevated PGA Tour event when, I think uh, was it was it Ram, um, or it could have been Xander actually. Um, their winnings went up by six hundred grand with a birdie on the last or something like that. Like the swings are enormous just for one or two shots. So yeah, it's uh, I yeah you, you still and that's a that point, Joe, on the referees. If it's fifty fifty, like it, it comes back to fucking your honor or like just the. Yeah. Being being honest and keeping true to golf. Um, I was asked actually during the week by one of the lads, um, just while we were talking about the 16th there in, um, in Phoenix, and he said, "Why doesn't every course have a stadium hole?" And I was trying to think where else would I have that? Like 17 of the players, you obviously couldn't put a stand there. It's already iconic enough. But like in terms of other PGA Tour events, would you would you have it really? anywhere? The one the off just work there. It's not quite the same, but at the open, the the 18th walking up the open, everyone does talk about how uh, iconic that is, and it's basically a mini stadium at the back. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I just don't know. I think it's great for a once off, and the Americans milk anything that has a little bit of success to it. Um, obviously it's going to look huge on social media it's going to grab the attention like i saw a clip on instagram the other day of someone showing joe rogan um the 16th at augusta and he's obviously got this massive platform and he's looking at it saying oh my god this is incredible why don't they do this for golf all the time so the likes of that week i think does grab the attention is there an argument for it to be done every week i i don't know like i'm i think we're all golf nerds and love golf for what it actually is but is there an argument there that it would attract like the the fringe supporters like a lot of the people who would have gone to that event last week wouldn't have been there for the golf they would have just been there for the session and and fair enough like um i don't know yeah maybe there is a place for it but maybe it's special because it is that one week a year you know yeah like i guess if you're um if you're the, oh, I don't know, the Barbasol, as an example, uh, I think that's in Kentucky. Um, if you're if you're running that and like your your tournament has essentially been shitted on for being a shit event, do you throw in a stadium hole there to draw in a crowd or to get the kind of feedback that the lads in Phoenix are getting or the lads in TBC are getting? But maybe, yeah. sorry, go on, Joe. Yeah, no, the only thing is that, like, Ricky was commenting on it after, just saying how, you know, cool of an event it is. And, but he was also saying that Phoenix have worked a long, a long time on this event. You know, it's kind of built and built. Yeah. Um, you couldn't just, you didn't, couldn't just plonk a stadium hole, like, into, into a tournament like that. If, because if people don't turn up, it looks terrible. You know, you need to be obviously guaranteed that, uh, that you know, it's gonna there's gonna be numbers there every single day, you know, from Thursday morning. Um, because if not, uh, you know, the opposite is obviously doesn't look great. So yeah, I think it, I think you, you need to build it. Um, you need to build yeah, it up. Yeah. 
um, and it needs to gain traction and notoriety and you, you know that kind of thing. So, um, but there's there yeah, there's other holes that like would I think this week like in Riviera that um that 18th hole has that natural amphitheater. It's just everything sort of it's like a bold green and everyone's above uh above it like so it it is it, golf is best obviously when you have those um kind of vantage points and i suppose when the crowd are on top of players it makes it more more exciting but, yeah, i prefer those kind of ones like the uh the one that always sticks out to me i think it's the danish open i can't remember the name of the course. oh yeah made in hinterland one or hinterland whatever yeah that is unbelievable in terms of as you said joe an amphitheater or natural amphitheater like those kind of yeah i i know it is like sure think when tiger got the hole in one and Phoenix, like that was, it was fucking, there was a few stands on the right, all right, but behind the green, there was nothing. And every year you just go back and watch it, and another skyscraper seems to have been erected around the, around but the, that seems you know. like it, to, to Joe's point, I think, like it has that history of, you know, the, the meme that has turned into, you know, they're going to go nuts when he hits this thing, like yeah. that iconic shot the Tiger hit. And it's built, that's 20. Five, whatever years in the making. Um, just quickly before we move away from Phoenix, so Scheffler back to world number one. So he's taken over from Rory. I was digging into it a little bit because there's obviously been a lot of this debate around world rankings and uh, how this new algorithm works, and people saying that it's it's not fair. Like, so Rory since the Masters last year, or inclusive of the Masters last year, Rory's had 14 top tens and four wins. Ram has had 12 top 10s and five wins, whereas Scheffler has only had nine top 10s and two wins, including the Masters last year. And yet he is ranked ahead of the two lads. Something not right in that. Yeah, well, just I guess a, a lot that McElroy and Ram have probably played more DP World Tour events while Scheffler was playing in the States. Um, that I like you'd think. That might be one of the reasons why. Um, but there is like this ongoing debate about who's not who's the best in the world, but how you how how you actually what's the what's the equation to figure out who the best players in the world are. And yeah, it's I I have a feeling that now with all the spotlight on them, um, the OWGR are going to try and fix it because like. Straight up, like uh, I think, was it? Um, I can't remember where the, it was on the states. It might have been on in um, Hawaii when the DP World Tour was in Dubai. But like the strength of the fields, like it just did the, the the points available from a world ranking side didn't add up um, between the two events. Like it just made no sense. So there, there's obviously something there. I, I think it's heavily skewed towards the BJ Tour. So even if there's a great um, field on the DP World Tour and a very average, as in only one or two in the top World 25 um, on the PJ Tour, it still seems to swing in their favour in terms of ranking points. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just think it's in terms of a, in terms of how it's been done, it's just a historical thing and it's the way it's always been. Like, yeah, a lot of Rams wins were nothing events really, like, around Christmas time. Well, not nothing events, but like the Spanish Open or uh, in Villamora or wherever. Like it's, it wasn't. It's a good point. Yeah, it's, it's not something I actually really thought of, but yeah. But that's the, I think that's the only, it, it does have to change, but um, in terms of the argument 
around to be world number one, a lot of his form comes in weak events. Um, so I think his little hissy fit around Christmas time as well, I don't think that was justified, but there, there definitely is fundamentally something wrong and it probably will change now with all that spotlight on it. Yeah, he he does, like, the thing Scheffler, like, he did finish well in the um, Brookline US Open, uh, that Matt, Matt Fitz won, didn't he? He came, didn't he come tied second in that? Um, with uh, yeah. Zalatoris. Yeah. Um, and in his last, I because I saw it, like, he hasn't had a finish of, um, I think, a win and seven finishes tied 11 or better in a row. So he is he is playing consistent. But I think the the reality is, yeah, those tournaments, as Cooper said, like the Andalusia Masters. Um, and I wonder just, like, the, he won the DP World Tour Championship, but there's only... There's only 50 players in that, isn't there? Like by the yeah. time they get to the end of season Same events. So Hawaii, Hawaii, yeah. whatever, small field. Yeah. So yeah, it's a fair point. But it is a fair like is in just on on paper, it just it, it kind of did look like Rory and Ram were were you know streets ahead of others. And I think like I've seen some data golf st- stats about how far ahead they are, strokes gained as well. There there is a there is a gulf between them. So yeah. I think that there's definitely room for improvement. Scotty did say himself before um, last weekend because <clears throat> he was second going into um, the waste management, and he said he didn't feel like second in the world. He felt like Rory and Ram were ahead. Um, so yeah. he's such a nice guy. The bastard. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, biggest story. We've gone 25 minutes, and this is the first time we're really bringing it up. Tiger, so he's back. So even at 47, I think he is the most significant thing in golf. Um, so he's playing this week. I'll outline a little bit about why this is such a big deal. Um, since his incredible win at the Masters in 2019, he really hasn't played all that much. So he played very little in 2020, didn't play at all in 2021, made three starts last year with 47 at the Masters, withdrew after three rounds at the PGA, and then he missed the cut at the Open. So here we are now in February 2023, um, making his first start since July. Joe, where what should our expectations be of him going into this week? I think, you know, on one side, they should be extremely low. Um, given what exactly what you've just said, um, the last time we saw him, he was limping up the 18th fairway of uh, St Andrews in the Open. Um, so you know there hasn't been a huge amount of time between that, like relatively speaking. Um, but if he feels he's ready to play, and uh, I, I presume you've seen some of the the interviews with him this week, saying you know he's there. He's there to win. He doesn't. He doesn't take part. He's not not there as a, as just an ambassador for his uh, his tournament. Um, you know, as a player, he always has that that hunger, um, and you know that's that's more relevant for Tiger, I think, than anyone else um, who's ever played the game. Um, but it's just hard to it's hard to see him in any way competing. The other factor is obviously in Riviera. He doesn't have a great record. Again, relatively speaking, obviously for him, he's never won there. Um, I think his best finish was was second. Um, I think he came second to Els back uh, back in the late nineties. Um, so you know, the, the, there's more tour, there's more courses he's won at than not. Obviously, on the PGA Tour, 
um and uh and and that 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 kind of like if he was going to if he's going to Bay Hill or to the memorial or something, you'd be like, right, he knows his course very well. Well, he knows he knows Riviera well, but he he knows how to play the others. Um, so maybe there's a bit of unfinished business with him as well. Maybe he kind of wants to you know try and um, conquer somewhere he hasn't before. I think the reality is he's probably trying to get two tournaments in before the Masters because you've. Riviera this week, and then I think in three weeks' time you've Bay Hill and um, the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So that obviously another elevated event, and that comes about uh, about four weeks before the Masters. So I imagine he's looking at these two to get himself, you know, ready to play at Augusta. Because you know, if Tiger's playing, if Tiger's playing one major this year, it's going to be Augusta. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see who gets on. I think like. You know, as ever, he'll he'll bring great attention. His his group this week is great. He's obviously he's played with Rory and uh, and JT. Um, I think they're teeing off around eight o'clock Irish time on uh, on Thursday. So that'll be um that'll be great, obviously to 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 see. And it's probably no surprise, I'm sure, if Tiger was allowed to pick that tee time. Um, well, pick his partners. There was there was something made of the actual time he's playing because he's playing that very late. Strange. Like yeah, late on late on Thursday, yeah. and then pretty much first thing. Well, early on Friday anyway. So mm. not giving himself much uh, much recovery time there. Um. So yeah, I'm really I'm looking forward to seeing him. I saw a couple of swings in the range, and like his swing speed and you know his movement looks looks he looks pretty good. Um. Well, I suppose that's the thing. It's always been good. It's the walking between the shots that are going to be what really calls into question whether he can compete or not. That's, that's, that's really it. I think he's able to swing the club, no problem, but um, yeah, yeah, it's uh it's, it's nice coming off the back of an elevated event last week. Another one with Tiger in the mix. It's uh it's a pretty good time to be watching. Cooper. Yeah. I was going to say what a pessimistic view from Joe. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, you've 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 nailed it there. Like he's he's twelve hundred and ninety fourth in the world. Like it's he's 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 self admitted that he hasn't played seventy two holes yet, so he doesn't even know if he can fucking last the four rounds. Um, never won at Riviera. He's come second twice. Um, but I think uh, Joe, that's you nailed it there. It's like a bit of unfinished business. That's the mm-hmm. kind of way I'm looking at it. Um. No, it's just great to see him back. Uh, and as you said as well, like I, I was at the seventh at a day manner for the JP Pro Am. The speed he has in the swing, like, there's no problem with a swing whatsoever. Like it's literally just can he walk for five hours, four days in a row? Um, and if if he can, he wouldn't be here if he didn't think he could. Like that uh, that interview was brilliant yesterday. Um, when he was talking about, yeah, like I wouldn't be here if I couldn't, if I didn't think I was going to win or I didn't think I was able to win or mix it with the best in the world. And he, it immediately brings you back to that Curtis Strange interview, the you'll learn, um, which I don't know, I think we put it up on Instagram yesterday. It's just in terms of the, the worst kind of interviews or the worst thing to hang over you for the rest of your life. Like if you Google Curtis Strange, that's what comes up, not his career. <laughs> But um, yeah, I think uh, this week, like it's, it's a, it's a tricky enough course. Um, it, there's no water at all in Riviera. Um, the rough isn't isn't too bad. 
uh, it's long enough. Like where where it gets you is touch around the greens. So like throw screen approach and kind of I guess around the green. Just like out of no matter who you are, if you are the best player that's ever lived, your your touch isn't going to be perfect. Um, if you're coming off a, a massive uncompetitive streak, so you can't really see him uh, competing. And he's hundred to one, and like I think even that isn't isn't enough to tempt me to to get involved. Uh, he is two to one to make the cut, which I think I'm going to get involved in. Um, just because, like, it's nothing to do with his golf. And I think two days, he can absolutely pull two days together. It's just when it comes to Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. Yeah, it, it, it's, I think the signs are going to show there that this guy hasn't played a competitive golf as Khan said since the Open. Um, but no, it's it's amazing to see him back. Um, Joe, I think you've nailed it there as well. I think Bay Hill is the, the next logical step um, where he's won, what, eight times? Like, I, I'd, I'd be tempted to back him there. Um and then uh, yeah onto onto another green jacket. <laughs> yeah, like it's great to see him back, and it's very unlikely that he'll do anything really significant or win. I mean, he won the 2008 US Open, having not played for a little while. But like making looking at his his win in the Masters 2019, like if you plot his journey to that point, like he first came back. At the end of 2017, he played in his Hero Challenge, uh, December 2017. And then throughout the 2018 season, he competed at the PGA, one of the ones that Brooks won. He, he nearly won that. He was leading going to the back nine on Sunday at the Open, uh, the one in Carnoustie that Molnari won. Then he won the Tour Championship, and then he won the Masters. So from kind of start to finish, that journey was like, 15, 16 months or something. Uh, and he had put himself into position on numerous occasions before he got that done at the Masters. So I think, like, can he win again on the PGA Tour? I would say yes. Could he win another major? I would say yes, he could win multiple majors. Like Phil won the PGA last year at 51, and Tiger's been able to better him all along their career. But I think it's to your both of your points there. It's like playing this week, play Bay Hill. He needs to get on a consistent run of form, a run of playing 10, 12 events a year for the next few years if he's expecting, if he could be expected to do anything and, and, and win a major or even win on, on tour again. He needs to get that con, consistent playing time, which, yeah, you, you said there, I saw him hitting balls at the range and look great, swing look class, but he was talking about his ankle and not being able to walk and you said there Cooper he hasn't walked 72 holes yet this year so um oh it's class uh, absolutely buzzing to see him um but in terms of expectations hopefully he proves us all wrong and he's up there on Sunday but I just can't really see it happening I saw some uh live bot no doubt uh tweeting that um what disgrace to have Tiger in the tournament this week uh, the sponsors have paid all this money and now all they're going to get is Tiger Woods airtime. And like in the backyard. People, just, that's what people want. Literally what people want. The, the needle himself fucking showing up. Um, no, I wouldn't. Yeah, it's just another another live bot. But yeah, after their performance during the week with their, their video, I don't think uh, even the live bots can defend them anymore. Yeah, pretty shambolic. Like that video, if anyone hasn't seen it, go on to the live Instagram or, or don't actually. 
<laughs> yeah, so uh, poor Martin Keimer got hung out to dry. They're all given pathetic excuses as to why you should follow their team. Oh, Jesus, even think about it. Um, and one one notable one was Sergio saying we're, we're the best looking team. Um, but Kevin Nas stands up and says one word, iron heads. And the little girl goes, that's two words. And then Kyra goes, clique, that's one word. That's yeah. The entire advertisement for that fucking team. Like, it's just whoever is, and I'd say these videos are costing so much money. Like, it's, ah, uh, like, love seeing a, a good startup burn through a heap of cash when you want to see them fail. But, like, y- you'd think they'd have some sort of cop on, whereas every time they just outdo themselves in terms of going a level above the cringe factor where you thought, ah, surely they can't get any worse. Yeah, they always Their first event's coming up soon, in a couple of weeks. Or maybe next week, is it? I think it might be next week, yeah. Um but Where just looking at, at Riviera, lads. So, uh, the course seems to be held in very high regard. I mean, looking, uh, thinking about it, I, I can't think of that many iconic holes. Joe, you mentioned the 18th hole with that National Amphitheater uh, at the back. There's that. There's the 10th hole, which is the drivable par four, which is pretty cool. Caused a lot of issues. They ha- is is this where they have that uh, bunker in the middle of the green on one of the par threes too? Um, yeah, the the sixth. Mm. Yeah, what are your right in the middle? Yeah, are you sure you played on Tiger Woods gone? No, I probably have to be fair. I probably, yeah, have. it's one that's uh, they I think all well, not all the players, but one of the quotes from the week that kind of speaks for all the players is um, it's one of the best course we play on tour. Like, it's just yeah, it's it, it's not as I guess iconic as as a Bay Hill or a Pebble Beach, but like in terms of a golf course, the golfers seem to absolutely fucking love it um yeah it does as i said there earlier like it's it it's not that it's not tricky it just really bogey avoidance and approaching around the green seem to be the, the main things um lending on from our uh our, our mentor eddie condon uh they're very quick powana greens and apparently within 10 feet is incredibly tricky. They're slick as. So, like, yeah, that was one of the angles I was trying to look into this week in terms of, yeah, it's who, who does particularly well on these. Uh, it's been likened in terms of actual play and performance to the likes of Augusta. So it's like that kind of a, that kind of a course, shot shape and accuracy and, yeah, just not necessarily scrambling, but not leaving yourself 12 feet um for for birdies because yeah it's meant to be extremely difficult from relatively close around the pin compared to other courses um yeah just uh, yeah again as i said it's been on tiger woods for so long it's uh it's it's an amazing event and tiger to be playing and hosting is yeah it's special and just mm, quickly that tank we... hole is one of the best holes yeah it's cracking hole drivable power four and um I'd certainly be made a fool of around that green if I had to try to chip the right distance. Have you not solved the solved the yet? No. Uh, I tell myself I have, and in fairness, they're a lot better than than it was. But I still have the the shaky Stevens knees going. So, yeah, sometimes it's not pretty to look at. 
But yeah, so that that tenth hole would would make a fool out of me. I'd be, I'd definitely be laying back and trying to hit a full shot onto the green, so I didn't have like a little fifty sixty yarder. Um, yeah, uh, I got that bunker up, up the left so side that you can't even lay up. They they've got this bunker up the left side you can't even lay up to. Uh, as you can't you can't even hit a, a a long layup. I don't think. I think you need to lay up to like a full pitch wedge as opposed to. You know, like an 80, 80 yard shot because it brings that long bunker into into play, um, and like it's got to be one of the narrowest targets on tour all year. That green, um, from front to back. I don't know what width it is, but it's it's um, it's it's a small target anyway, and it's just surrounded by those bunkers. Um, I've seen we've seen over the years as well players knock it from bunker to bunker on that green. Yeah. Um, I know a couple of years ago, I can't remember who it was, but. I think they knocked us three or four times from from bunker to bunker. So if those guys are doing it, geez, we wouldn't stand a chance. Um, who are we fancying then? So actually, we'll reflect on our bets from last week. So uh, we had two two of us had Xander, didn't we? And then I had um, Ricky. So a couple of top three top tens. Who who, who was the third one outstanding? Matsuyama, who uh, completely fucked himself on day one. So, yeah, I was... He finished top 30, like, I, I was impressed with him. Um, but, no, just handicapped himself way too much on, the, on day one. Um, but, yeah, the three boys in the frame. Three, three know, top I'm, 10. I'm solo, solo, bottom of the leaderboard. So, hopefully, this week can make amends. Yeah, you've mugged yourself off there with Matsuyama. First round last week, you got to the offer. Um, who are we saying this week, then? Yeah, well, first of all, I was delighted that Xander stretched the rules uh, last week. That was that was yeah. great to see, obviously. Um, but yeah, this week, uh, it's 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 yeah. With all the like we said it last week, with all with all of them going going at us, like you know, it it it, it makes it much um, probably tougher to call. But um, yeah, a couple of names. I think like Cooper said there. Um, there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of missing greens around here because they're um the I think the fairways are narrow. The rough isn't the worst, but I think the fairways are still narrow, so it's gonna be hard to to hold them. So I think a, a very good short game um is is demanded. And I think like I think JT is quietly um going along very strongly and with his with his uh, short game, his stats are very good. Um, I think coming off a good finish last week, he's a decent shout. Um, and I was tempted to go from, but I'm going to go with the man who can't stop winning in California, oh. um, Max, Max Homa. <laughs> Max California. Fuck it, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think like four of his six wins are in California. He's obviously won twice in California in the last like six, five, six months. As Cooper said, those Poana greens, he puts so well on them. And it's what he, what he kind of grew up on. He grew up like, 30 miles away from this course. He says it's one of his favorites. Um, it's also a fader's golf course. Um, and you know, as we as we were treated to when he was mic'd up um over in Tory a couple of weeks ago, he his stock shots are fade and what it's what he loves hitting. Um so I think he'll feel so comfortable here. He'll have, I mean, he he has good support anywhere he goes, I'm sure, but he'll have obviously a, a home crowd. Um and uh, 
And I think his record in Riviera, probably the last but most significant point. Um, he won here two years ago. He came 10th last year, came fifth the year before. So that's five, fifth win, 10th in his last three appearances. Um, and obviously, you no need to kind of say what form he's in um, at the moment. So um, I think I'd be kicking myself if I didn't go for Homer. So, yeah, that's me. I've already done him. Max Homer, 20 to 1. He, for basically all the same reasons you said, he uh, won here a couple of years ago, loves California, loves Riviera, playing unbelievable. Uh, obviously, it's a difficult field, but he's 12th in the world. He's like one of the most informed players in the world, so he shouldn't be afraid. So, yeah, you summed it up. I'm going Max Home as well. Uh, as well. Cooper? <laughs> I can't go for fucking Max Home now, can I? <laughs> um, yeah, no, for everything Joe said, like I... When yeah, you said there's Elkan 12th in the world. He's he's arguably top five in the world right now. Like he, he is just playing such good golf. Um, fuck yeah. Well, I had home in my in my picks here. I, one other angle I liked um, was Hatton. Um, so just for the kind of reason I said earlier, strokes gains around the green, scrambling and putting inside ten feet. Um, Hatton is very high up on the on those three specific statistics and his form he's been in the top seven three last four tournaments including a good close last week um mm-hmm. at phoenix oh, fuck these lads i can't i literally <laughs> you can you, you can all go all in on on home with if you want no, i'll um i'll i'll go with hatton at 45 to one okay so we've got even though i will be back in Max Homa with fucking anti-post bets for Cheltenham as well because yeah he's this this is Max Homa written all over it but I'll go for the uh, the each way value with uh, with Hatton and yeah, yeah Paddy Pear again are doing ten places this week which is brilliant so that got us a well got the three of you in in the money last week so yeah ten places it's such it's such great value um, in these really stacked golf events so. Yeah, I'll be doing Hatton on the nose, but Hatton each or sorry, my home on the nose, Max California, but um yeah, Hatton, Hatton each way. Um sweet. Before we wrap up, just want to touch on some of the Irish guys. Obviously, Lowry was all over the place last week. Very solid week for power, top twenty. Um and Tom McKibben, I think, is definitely worth a mention on the DP World Tour in Singapore last week. For anyone who, who missed it, he was leading after the first round um, and faded a little bit over the weekend, shot 271s on the weekend, ended up coming tied 12th. But, I mean, he's only a kid. Is he, is he 19, 20 years of age? Like, funny. looking at, I really want to see Hurley do well this year and I really want to see the likes of John Murphy do well this year. Um, but McKibben just seems to have that little bit of, of X factor. I really do think, I said that at the start of the year, my big bold prediction for the year is that McKibben's um, going to win on the DP World Tour this this year. And I definitely see it happening. I can see it happening very soon. Yeah, he, there was a few times he got out of position. Um, uh, just like kind of tricky shots around the greens and like his touch was absolutely beautiful. Like he he doesn't look like someone who's a rookie on the on the DP World Tour. Um, 
But yeah, like if you look at his scorecards, like he, there's plenty of birdies there. It's just a few kind of sloppy shots, dropping shots out of nowhere kind of thing. Like that's that's he'll he'll get better at them over time. Um, but yeah, in terms of like has the look about him of a yeah, a multiple multiple winner on tour. Uh it's I wouldn't want to say a, a, a certainty, but he, he has the swagger. He looks like he's um he looks like he's not gonna be a one hit wonder some random week. Mm, he like he also he also turned pro quite quite early compared to what a lot of a lot of other guys do. And that just shows sort of a a courage and I think just a self confidence. Um that uh, that'll carry him, and you know he's obviously you know a lot of belief. So I think, um, yeah, I think your your prediction at the start of the year, Con, wouldn't be won't be too far off. Um, Did you back the more... Did you get odds no. on? No, I should have actually looked up odds on it. I'd probably get shy odds now. Um, that would have been. I, I no idea what it could have been, but it could have been decent. Because he, yeah, he's literally fucking. He, he was just a teenager going onto the tour, like. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting yeah. what you say. Joe about him like turning pro straight away because obviously that collegiate route is so popular these days you know we've got a few top amateurs like of mark power who's playing over in, in wake forest and there's a lot to be said for that like those guys are competing with the top college players and um, leona obviously took that route as well um but not for everyone and this guy has obviously just said backed himself from day one and said i'm i'm gonna go for it um yeah there's a good term fucking man Playing with uh, Louisiana now, Dylan Keating. I think they're, they're all out this week. Uh, I'm not sure where the event is on, but uh, the best team name, the, the Raging Cajuns from Louisiana. That's good, actually. I like that. He was in Illinois last year, but he's after transferring over to to Louisiana. So yeah, I think there's four guys in that in that tournament this week. So yeah, it's um, but but as you said, um, like in terms of developing as a player, it makes sense. But if you have the if you have the game and the confidence to go straight at it, it could be a complete disaster. Like, as you said, Leona went to Duke and like she could have turned pro probably at any time. Uh, then when she did turn pro after a few years of literally putting in serious grind and doing well in the college series, uh, come straight out, straight into Solheim Cups, into top 10 in the world in no time. So like, yeah, I guess it's uh, player dependent, but it's um each each to their own depending on how much confidence they have sure harrington himself got went he wasn't the best golfer in his house when he was in college his brother was better than him and he went and got the accounting degree as a as a safety net and like if he didn't have that safety net say if i fail here i can still go and work in kpmg he might have had the confidence when he went out in course he might have been shitting himself saying how am i going to pay the mortgage so yeah it's each each to their own really um, just one other notable from speaking of teenagers and amateurs. See your man when ye ding or ding when ye. The oh, yeah. See his father. Class. Oh, unbelievable. I, I think he's only 18 now. And it's like, what do you shoot? Two sixty-sixes to open up in Singapore. Um, yeah, the more we see him and his father on the bag, the, the better. Yeah, if anyone hasn't seen it, look it up. Uh, he, his dad was going absolutely bananas every time he was holding the foot. It's class. Um, right, I'm gonna go and watch this Netflix doc, it's just released today, so can't bloody wait. So, next week, we'll di- uh, digest and discuss what Tiger's been up to, and uh, maybe we'll do a little bit of a discussion around the Netflix stuff. 
when people have had the chance to watch it, but obviously no spoilers. Um, I think we'll leave it there, lads. Thank you, everyone, for joining for another week of Unplayable. We will chat to you next week.